I talk for a living in some respects, but to read aloud the work that I really sweated over was exciting. It's interesting because I like nonfiction audiobooks best because there's something about fiction that I kind of like curling up in bed with. I wrote my book because I was worried about what kind of a person our culture as it exists today would chisel out of my son Maximilian. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet investigative journalist Carol Lenig, Know Your Endo founder, Jessica Murnan, and op-ed editor, Saurabh Amari. Listen in as each of these authors examines what it means to get the story behind the story, whether that's investigating the Secret Service, navigating your health, or exploring how tradition can connect with the modern world. Plus, hear what they learned while recording their audiobooks. Enjoy. Hi, this is Carol Lenig, author of Zero Fail. I wrote my book because as I dug into one very specific news story about the Secret Service, I realized there was a much bigger story than the one I was assigned to write about. I kept meeting, either through the telephone or in person, current and former agents of the Secret Service who were explaining to me about this terrible, humiliating scandal where a bunch of agents got in trouble for bringing prostitutes back to their hotel room when they were supposed to be working to prepare security for President Obama's visit to Cartagena. But as I, you know, tried to understand what happened there, I kept meeting, again, these individuals who knew about Cartagena but knew about something much more interesting, which was that the agency was really struggling to protect the president. And the scary thing I kept hearing in different ways from these agents was that they were worried he was going to be killed on their watch. That's how concerned they were about the cracks in the security system and the failures that they had seen that luckily didn't lead to tragedy, but had been major security gaffes. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be exciting. I talk for a living in some respects. I mostly write. But to read aloud the work that I I really sweated over was exciting, just to relive those moments and remember all the people who had shared their time with me, met with me in their living rooms or sometimes even in a parking lot, and who had shared records with me that nobody has ever seen before and that really tell an important story about problems in the service and also patriotism and dedication. So I enjoyed it. I realized I had trouble pronouncing the name Shinzo Abe. I'm glad that I decided to narrate a portion of my book, but I'm especially glad that listeners will get to hear me personally read the prologue, which explains why I wrote this book. And it is very personal. 
and I hope that they enjoy coming on this journey with me. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Homeland Elegy. Not Hillbilly Elegy, but Homeland Elegy, a gripping part memoir, part fantasy book about what it's like to be a Muslim American in America after 9-11. And I believe it was narrated entirely by the author. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is running. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I love to have something engaging my mind while I'm running. Uh, I feel like I'm using the time wisely. Maybe that's just a habit of being a mom who's always trying to do two things at once. But it's really a pleasant experience for me. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Nearly 200,000 people spilled across Buffalo's largest downtown square, angling for a glimpse of the most famous man on earth, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And Wynne Lawson stood beside him. Kennedy visited Buffalo on October 14, 1962, the day of the city's beloved Polish Heritage Parade. Seeing the crowds eight deep on the limo route, Lawson thought, Polish or not, all of upstate New York has turned out today to see their dashing president. I'm Jessica Mernan, the author of Know Your Indo, an empowering guide to health and hope with endometriosis. The reason why I wanted to write this book was to truly write a love letter to the entire endometriosis community, which is 176 million people strong. And so many of us in this community's pain has never been believed. We've been told that it's in our heads, and it can be an incredibly lonely and dark place to live. And I really wanted this book to help people feel less alone and also empower themselves to get the help that they deserve. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be, whoa. (laughs) I was actually told by a lot of my author friends that this would be such an incredibly challenging and hard week But I had a lot of fun doing this. I think it had a lot to do with my team, Michael and Maureen. But it was fun. It was fun to get to read these stories. It really brought up a lot of emotion that I think I almost forgot about writing it. But yeah, it was whoa. It was so fun. Uh, Was there a word or phrase that I had problems pronouncing? Let me count them. There was a lot of medical terms in my book and not medical terms I had a hard time pronouncing. Adenomosis, adenomosis, exasperate, exasperate. My team was very patient with me as I tried to pronounce them sometimes up to 30 times. So yes, a lot of words that you think you know when you actually have to say them out loud, your brain just goes haywire. I would say the thing I'm most proud of about the narration of this book is getting to share the stories of the people that I interviewed. I interviewed over 40 doctors and people living with endometriosis. And to be able to share their stories via this audiobook, it just felt like the greatest gift ever. 
If I wasn't able to record my audiobook, two people come to mind. The first would be my dad. He is one of the greatest storytellers ever. He just keeps you captivated when he tells stories. And I think in a way, he might understand me even a little bit more by reading the book. But I also think it might be weird to have a guy reading it that doesn't have periods. So if I were to choose someone that does have endometriosis, I would choose Alexa Chung because she has that cool, raspy British voice that I could just listen to for hours. It's interesting because I like nonfiction audiobooks best because there's something about fiction that I kind of like curling up in bed with, but nonfiction ones I like listening to when I'm cleaning or cooking. And I actually just downloaded The Confidence Game, which is about con men and how people trick people. And I've found it very fascinating so far. I like listening to audiobooks when I'm doing batch cooking on Sundays when I have a lot of time in the kitchen. It definitely keeps me company. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Before we dive into the ins and outs of Indo and your tools, I want to make sure we're on the same page in terms of the mindset you'll need to approach this book. What I'm about to say might be something you've never allowed yourself to think before. It might be hard to take in but I need you to try your best to accept it. And that is, if you're a person living with endometriosis, caring for yourself needs to be your number one priority. Hi, this is Saurabh Amari, author of The Unbroken Thread, Discovering the Wisdom of Tradition in an Age of Chaos. I wrote my book because I was worried about what kind of a person our culture as it exists today would chisel out of my son Maximilian. He was two years old when I started. He's now four. And so I wanted him to have access to a deeper and richer way of thinking about the world that's summed up by the word tradition, roughly speaking, the pre-modern traditions. And the way I decided to address that, rather than kind of just hammer the points home, as it were, I decided to pose 12 unasked questions, 12 questions that our liberal, technocratic, secular civilization doesn't answer or assumes have been answered and settled when in fact they aren't. And so I pose those questions and then guide my son to traditional wisdom using the life and thought of 12 great thinkers, each of whom is matched up with a question. If I had to describe what it is like to record my audiobook in one word, that one word would be difficult. It's one thing to write intricate sentences that all make sense and you think are good sentences, well-composed sentences. It's quite another to read them fluently, compellingly, and in the way that an actor, a professional actor, would. I realized I had trouble pronouncing... Some words that I had always assumed I knew the pronunciation of, and I turned out to be wrong. So the one that most embarrasses me and I cringe and had to be corrected on is sacral, which I always thought was sacral. I'm foreign-born, so there's still a lot in my vocabulary where I know the word, I know what they mean, but I've never heard them. I only have reading knowledge of them. And then there are Latin words where I I know, for example, the actual Latin pronunciation, if it's classical Latin, but there is a kind of settled English pronunciation that's preferable and should be the one that's used, and that's where I often tripped up. 
I'm excited that listeners will get to hear my intonations, where I wanted to put the emphasis in a sentence in a way that's authentic to my voice and the narrative that the book is attempting to convey. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast, I don't know, someone like the late Charlton Heston or someone else that has a kind of really you know, rumbling, gravitas-filled voice, which actually mine isn't like that. But if I were casting someone, it would be someone like that. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was The Island of Knowledge by Marcello Gleiser, who's a Brazilian physicist who argues that science ultimately cannot supply us with ultimate truths, that the very nature of the scientific process is one that means that science will always expand its shores of knowledge, but then concomitantly expand our shores of ignorance as well. And that process will go on forever. And he says this contra, let's say, some scientistic scientists who hold this ideology that science will soon supplant philosophy and theology. And in fact, I interviewed Professor Gleiser for this book. I never ended up using that material, but he ended up shaping chapter one, which has to do with scientism and the difference between strict facts and deeper truths that may not take factual form. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is in the car. I normally actually don't read audiobooks. If I'm reading something, I'm most likely reading it in print because I like to annotate. I use stickies everywhere, and my books become these kind of messy objects. So I, I'm not an audiobook person normally. But, for example, when I was driving up to actually meet the professor I mentioned, Professor Gleiser at Dartmouth, I was driving up from New York, I listened to his audiobook on the way. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, 1927-2003, captured one of the axioms of modern public life when he said that everyone is entitled to his opinion, but not to his own facts. A generation later, the conservative commentator Ben Shapiro articulated something similar with his spunky battle cry, Facts don't care about your feelings. At first glance, the idea strikes us as eminently reasonable. Insofar as our feelings or biases reflect our volatile passions, they can distort our grasp of reality. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.